When I was living in Iran, sometime in 1987, during the early stages of the new year of that year, Iranian peoples around the world celebrate the new year on the first day of spring, I went to the Bahashsara Cemetery in Tehran with my father to pay our respect to his mother. We witnessed a funeral service where a middle-aged woman cried out loud and was restless, and could not control her emotions. My father and I overheard from others that her sons were killed during Iran and Iraq war. This mother wanted to hug the lifeless bodies of her sons and took them to her home to celebrate their birthdays. She did not want to leave them behind. There was a man in that service who was standing motionless in that area. He was in a state of total disbelief at what was unfolding before his eyes. He was looking at three motionless bodies on the ground. This man approached the restless woman and asked her to calm down. He was the father of those sons. My father and I walked away from that scene. I did not want my father to experience as that parents did. Thus, I was not interested in going to war. Erwin Rommel's infantry attacks gives a chilling account of his war experience at the time of World War II. Soldiers are charging at each other with one intention in their minds. To murder one another without faith and mercy, they have forgotten that they are humans and have a responsibility to care for one another. The scene of combat can be felt like this. Comrade watches comrade in pain of death, and they are powerless to provide care for one another, if a soldier drops his gun to care for another, he will perish by the incoming bullets or bayonets. Finally, when one military force prevails against another military force, the soldiers are rushing to a domestic environment to respond to their savage feelings by killing livestock. Now, the soldiers are looking for anything to entertain them like unprotected individuals, in this case, women and children are an easy target. Women and children are running around to seek a haven from harm's way. This is the power and glory of victory in wartime. The nature of war has not changed and will never change. This is the idea that the conflict among nations or civil wars are destroying nations and must come to a complete stop, it is not a new idea. It goes back to the dawn of history that there were individuals that they oppose wars. At that time of the Enlightenment movement, some idealistic scholars formulated doctrine to prevent conflicts among nations. The leading scholar in international peace is Dr. Immanuel Kant, who published Perpetual Peace and asserted six articles to perpetuate peace among nations. In Article 1, he nullifies the notion of war among nations, one and alleges that a truce is not the same as peace. Two peace comes when rulers begin to use reason and logic to resolve their differences among each other. Three in Article 2, he defines a nation as a society of embodiment of humans that these nations around the world eventually will tie knots with one another. Four thus, it is wasteful of a nation to allocate such valuable resources toward wars against each other. Five in Article 3, he discusses the political science term of political realism that nations are building solid armies as a deterrent measure against one another. Six, he asserts that the above action would not reduce hostility among nations or prevent wars among nations. Seven, in fact, the above military measure would lead to some form of war among nations. Plus, it would cost a substantial amount of resources to maintain such an image for the security of a nation. Eight, in Article 4, he recommends that nations not having debt. Nine must be a preliminary article for perpetual peace for eventual yet unavoidable national bankruptcy must entangle many innocent nations, and that would injure them. Consequently, other nations are justified in allying themselves against such a nation and its pretensions. 10 In Article 5, Mr. Kant recommends that no nation interferes in the domestic affairs of another nation, 11 When a central government is dealing with a civil war. 12 When a foreign nation interferes in the domestic affairs of another nation, this action is undermining the security of that nation. The final article is a discussion of the nation of mutual trust among nations. It is challenging to develop a system of faith among nations. 13 They are always suspicious about one another that one nation is contemplating to invade that nation. 14 As a result, 
nations must remain at the state of nature, 15 and no war is just. 16 Interestingly, only the winner of the war can declare that the war was just, 17 and acted in good faith to defend itself against unjust war. 18. The above school of thinking began to shape other scholars in building peace like Wilson Woodrow, Lord Bryce, Jan Smuts, and other thinkers began to develop an international relation of liberalism by establishing the League of Nations in 1920 to prevent World War I. However, the vision of the above scholars succumbed to the vehement of the warmongers. The above vision did not vanish from the surface of the earth. There were other visionary individuals that they pursued the liberal doctrine and established the United Nations in 1945. This paper aims to discuss the six articles of Dr. Kant's to implement perpetual peace globally, discussing how the U.S. foreign policy poses a security threat to world stability and proves that the U.S. political apparatus is an oligarchic system. This portion of the paper discusses the six articles of Dr. Kant's to implement perpetual peace in the world. Dr. Kant asserts that the world needs to reach a point where war is not an option to resolve differences among nations. Thus, the war among nations is the most wasteful way to allocate scarce resources to solve problems. One way to avoid wars among nations would be to not interfere in the domestic affairs of other nations. The above articles are valuable notions to follow to prevent wars among nations. It needs to be mentioned that nations wage war to gain natural resources such as crude oil or enslaving invaded people. For example, in 1980, the former president of Iraq, Mr. Saddam Hussein, launched a military strike in the oil rich of Iran to acquire wealth. His military did not invade the part of Iran that did not have oil. Once, Mr. Hussein was defeated by Iranian armed forces. In 1991, during the first wave of the Persian Gulf War, Mr. Hussein invaded Kuwait and claimed the land as part of the sovereignty of Iraq. However, this aspiration of Mr. Hussein did not go so well with other nations. He would be able to monopolize the oil price. Looking inside Iran and Iraq war, the U.S. sold weapons of mass destruction to Iraq to use those deadly weapons against Iranians. Mr. Hussein also used those deadly weapons against civilian Kurds. However, no one asked the U.S. to develop and selling those weapons to Iraq. When 9-11 occurred, the U.S. accused Mr. Hussein of developing mass destruction and having an elusive notion that Hussein collaborated with terrorist groups. It justified for the U.S. to invade Iraq to topple Mr. Hussein from power. The U.S. illustrated to the world that it was careless about the sovereignty of other nations. The U.S. would interfere in the domestic affairs of other nations. This portion of the paper discusses how the U.S. poses a security threat to global security. In 1996, Dr. Samuel Huntington developed the clash of civilization theory. 19 in his thesis, he asserts that nations would engage in military strikes against each other based on past fault lines or past grievances in the post-Cold War era. 21 of his main ideas encompasses current affairs of the White House that the West and the East clash with one another because of the history of colonization and how the Western powers colonize the Eastern nations. Hence, the Eastern nations will respond to past injustices that they endured at the hands of the Western powers. There is some truth in what he says, past political affairs prevent Western nations from building a peace bridge with Eastern nations. In the year 2000, the New American Century think tank organization drafted a manifesto, Rebuilding America's Defense. This document took a firm approach for the coming years to topple the head of Iran, Iraq, Libya, Egypt, and North Korea because these nations had robust armies. The above manifesto recommended investing more in the U.S. Army to play the role of global constable. After 9-11, the U.S. foreign policy began to implement the above doctrines worldwide under the War on Terror policy. This is the exciting part that Dr. Kant encourages harmony among nations and encourages countries not to allocate funds toward war machines to have peace. 
The U.S. is contemplating wasting its resources by allocating its funds toward war machines. Therefore, the U.S. policy of war on terror has put Western nations at the crossroads with the Muslim nations at broad and in the Western nations, these Muslims are nothing but troublemakers. Dr. Fuller asserts that Muslims around the world are not one nation or a kingdom. 21 The faith of Islam is not a homogeneous one. 22 There is deep diversity in the faith of Islam. 23 It divides into two sects, Sunni and Shia. And each sect has its distinct school of thought. Muslims have proven historically that they integrate into mainstream society. Dr. Fuller proves his claim by referring to the time when Tsar Alexander Nevsky resigned as head of state of Russia that how Muslim communities for defending the national sovereignty of Russia against the Ottoman Empire. 24. This portion of the paper proves that the U.S. political apparatus is an oligarchy. The U.S. is continuously violating Article 5 of perpetual peace theory that no nation should interfere in the domestic affairs of other nations. Since World War II, the U.S. has assumed that it has prerogative rights to have the global leadership role with the prime intention of envisioning the world that suits its agenda at best. The Vietnam War is the prime example of how the U.S. engaged in the war with Vietnam under the banner of freedom and democracy. The war in Vietnam was nothing about freedom and democracy. This was a proxy war between the U.S. and the former Soviet Union. In his book Machiavellian Democracy, Dr. John McCormick uses Machiavelli's insightful information about human psychology and two different types of political systems, one is a democracy, and the last one is a republic system. According to Machiavelli, the above scenario will start off as the will of the people. However, eventually, these systems will lead to an oligarchy system. The bedrock of Machiavelli's claim that the above system will be transformed from will of people to an oligarchy system stems from the public that plebs opinions shift from one moment to another moment 25 favoring an individual one day, and them condemning him for another, for pledging allegiance to a prince one minute and then cheering for liberty next. 26 Machiavelli explains that democracy is about the popular will of the people that they put their trust in the hands of aristocrats and the elites. 27 as a result the aristocrats and the elites will act in their self-interest and not what the public wants and needs. Dr. Jeffrey A. Winters, in his book Oligarchy, explains that there are four types of oligarchy systems. 1. It is called warring oligarchy. 2. Ruling oligarchy. 3. Sultanic oligarchy. And last, civil oligarchy. 28. One reason that an oligarchy system emerges is from a power vacuum in a political system. Dr. Winters uses African nations to illustrate how warlords conflict to gain the power to establish their regime. Once one warlord can hold on to power, he begins to use violence to remain in power. Dr. Winters also discusses Suharto's regime and Marcus' regime in the Philippines, pointing out that they resemble their formation. Suharto toppled an establishment utilizing a military coup and formed a junta government. He took control over the means of the economy as well as its security. It contributed to the economic stagnation of the nation. Eventually, his regime collapsed under economic pressure. In the case of Marcus, he assassinated the head of state and formed a junta government. He, too, controlled the Philippines' means of economy and security system. His regime was toppled due to economic factors. Only a handful of individuals enjoyed the luxury lifestyle while others were deprived of necessities. Today's U.S. domestic politics is not any different than the above nations. Dr. Winters explains that the oligarchy is focused specifically on the political struggles related to wealth defense. In the U.S. context, as elsewhere, the central question is whether and how the wealthiest citizens deploy unique and concentrated power resources to defend their unique minority interest. 29. Dr. Winters's research indicates that the 90% at the bottom of social stratification make four times less than the top 10% of the population. 30. Therefore, 
The U.S. domestic policy has its problems and cannot claim that other nations are despising them because of its democracy. The U.S. should not act as a champion of human rights since 90% of the population lives in poverty. Dr. Stephen Levitsky is a pro-U.S. foreign policy to expand the Western democracy around the world. He explains that the NATO military intervention in Kosovo cost $30 to $40 billion damage to the economy. 31 It needs to be mentioned that this nation is still at the stage of a developing country. The U.S. version of democracy has done no good to help this nation to prosper. There are other nations that the U.S. military intervention has left destitute. In conclusion, the U.S. domestic system is a civil oligarchy. It should not hold a megaphone and tell others that it wants to impose its system on them. These military interventions are costly for two reasons. The U.S. taxpayers are paying their government to drop bombs on other nations in the name of freedom and democracy. This military intervention does not do any good for anyone. It is destroying the infrastructure of countries. Last, there is human cost and brain drain a nation face as a result of war. It needs to be mentioned that this democracy is nothing but an illusion for people. In his book Polyarchy, Participation and Opposition, a democratic system responds to people's needs to be elected to office. Once politicians are elected to the offices, they formulate public policies to control the public or have enforcement bodies to hold the public to submit to the will of the state. One Can't, A Manual, Perpetual Peace, and Other Essays. Indianapolis, Indiana, Hackett Publishing Company, 1983.107. Two Can't, A Manual, Perpetual Peace, and Other Essays. Indianapolis, Indiana, Hackett Publishing Company, 1983.108. Three Can't, A Manual, Perpetual Peace, and Other Essays. Indianapolis, Indiana, Hackett Publishing Company, 1983.107. Four Can't, A Manual, Perpetual Peace, and Other Essays. Indianapolis, Indiana, Hackett Publishing Company, 1983.108. Five Can't, a Manual, Perpetual Peace, and Other Essays. Indianapolis, Indiana, Hackett Publishing Company, 1983.108. 6. Can't, A Manual, Perpetual Peace, and Other Essays. Indianapolis, Indiana, Hackett Publishing Company, 1983.108. 7. Can't, A Manual, Perpetual Peace, and Other Essays. Indianapolis, Indiana, Hackett Publishing Company, 1983.108. 8. Can't, A Manual, Perpetual Peace, and Other Essays. Indianapolis, Indiana, Hackett Publishing Company, 1983.108. 9. Can't, A Manual, Perpetual Peace, and Other Essays. Indianapolis, Indiana, Hackett Publishing Company, 1983.109. 10. Can't, A Manual, Perpetual Peace, and Other Essays. Indianapolis, Indiana, Hackett Publishing Company, 1983.109. 11. Can't, A Manual, Perpetual Peace, and Other Essays. Indianapolis, Indiana, Hackett Publishing Company, 1983.109. 12. Can't, A Manual, Perpetual Peace, and Other Essays. Indianapolis, Indiana, Hackett Publishing Company, 1983.109. 13. Can't, A Manual, Perpetual Peace, and Other Essays. Indianapolis, Indiana, Hackett Publishing Company, 1983.109. 14 Can't, A Manual, Perpetual Peace, and Other Essays. Indianapolis, Indiana, Hackett Publishing Company, 1983.110. 15 Can't, A Manual, Perpetual Peace, and Other Essays. 
Indianapolis, Indiana, Hackett Publishing Company, 1983.110. 16 Kant, Emanuel, Perpetual Peace, and Other Essays. Indianapolis, Indiana, Hackett Publishing Company, 1983.110. 17 Kant, Emanuel, Perpetual Peace, and Other Essays. Indianapolis, Indiana, Hackett Publishing Company, 1983.110. 18 Kant, Emanuel, Perpetual Peace, and Other Essays. Indianapolis, Indiana, Hackett Publishing Company, 1983.110. 19 Huntington, Samuel. The Clash of Civilization and the Remaking of World Order. Printed in the U.S., Simon & Schuster, 2011. 20 Huntington, Samuel. The Clash of Civilization and the Remaking of World Order. Printed in the U.S., Simon & Schuster, 2011. 21 Fuller, Graham. A World Without Islam. New York, New York, Little, Brown, and Company, 2010. 174. 22 Fuller, Graham. A World Without Islam. New York, New York, Little, Brown, and Company, 2010. 23 Fuller, Graham. A World Without Islam. New York, New York, Little, Brown, and Company, 2010. 24 Fuller, Graham. A World Without Islam. New York, New York, Little, Brown, and Company, 2010. 25 M.C. Cormac, John. Machiavellian Democracy. N.Y., N.Y., Cambridge University Press, 2011. 76. 26 M.C. Cormac, John. Machiavellian Democracy. N.Y., N.Y., Cambridge University Press, 2011. 76. 27 M.C. Cormac, John. Machiavellian Democracy. N.Y., N.Y., Cambridge University Press, 2011. 76. 28 Winters, Jeffrey. Oligarchy. N.Y., N.Y., Cambridge University Press, 2011. 29 Winters, Jeffrey. Oligarchy. N.Y., N.Y., Cambridge University Press, 2011. 30 Winters, Jeffrey. Oligarchy. N.Y., N.Y., Cambridge University Press, 2011. 31 Levitsky, Stephen, Lucan Way. Competitive Authoritarianism, Hybrid Regimes After the Cold War. N.Y., N.Y., Cambridge University Press, 2010.109.